You're listening to the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative team from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. Hey friends, thanks for joining me this week on the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast. This week, I want to look at the relationship between new initiatives that you're trying to lead, projects you're trying to accomplish, and relationships. The well-being of your relationship with the people that you're serving, the ministry leaders that you're serving. So I've developed a tool. It's called the Relationship Cost Matrix. I have developed this in order to help reveal where the projects that we have on our list fall in terms of relationship cost and the way that they impact the mission of the organization. We just wrapped up the first of the creative leadership cohorts. It was a great time talking with church leaders about how they can grow in their leadership. But this comes up all the time. Relationships come up. We've now started the second creative leadership cohort, and I'm already seeing in our conversations only one week in, this is going to be a focus. I was then having a conversation with a church that I'm working with, and there's a new person who's leading communications on the team. They've been in the organization, but now they're stepping up into this leadership role. Super excited for them, but this is the conversation. What are you damaging relationally when it comes to the projects you're initiating. Now, this doesn't mean that there's any malice. And I think that's the part that's really important to understand here. This stuff isn't born out of ill will or in the vocabulary that I use, these aren't heart problems. This isn't an issue of somebody being imbalanced in the four creative cores. This is an issue of every project, every change impacts other people as well. This document exists to help reveal that. That's the goal. Everyone who is subscribed to the Creative Bytes newsletter is going to be getting a copy of this in their email. So if you're on the list, you're getting it. If you are not yet a subscriber, I'd love for you to hop on. Every month, twice a month, somewhere in that range, I'm sending out a new resource or a tool, something that will be helpful for you as you're engaging church communications, really church creative ministry, and this idea of leadership. What I exist to do and the voice that I exist to be in the context of the church is how do we grow as creatives in the way that we interface with leadership? I see burnout stem from this tension. I see a lack of longevity stem from this tension. It's why I created the Creative Leadership Cohort, specifically to help grow leaders. It's why I step in and help churches in an interim calm capacity if somebody leads or their team is dealing with some major issues. I care a lot about creatives in the church. If you're listening and you're a creative in the church, You are my mission, helping you last, helping you thrive, helping you love what you do so that you can bring the horsepower of creativity to the mission of the gospel. God doesn't need our help, but I'm so thrilled that we get the opportunity to participate in ministry. He has chosen to work through us, and a piece of that for you as the creative, especially those who are serving the church, is to leverage your creative thinking and your creative strategy for the purposes of the gospel. What a cool thing. So let's enjoy it, let's embrace it, let's lean into it, and let's get healthier while we're doing it. We're gonna be looking at that balance between the new initiatives that we have to get done in some cases, or the things that we think up as the creative-minded person, and how that impacts the ministry leaders we serve. So let's take a look at the document. If you're watching on YouTube, it's coming up on the screen. If you are listening in the audio version, download the PDF, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that you can have access to the PDF. But this is going to be a really, really helpful tool for you, particularly when you're going to be looking ahead at larger blocks of time. 
I'm going to describe this document for you. Obviously, if you can see it, you can see it. But for those of you who are listening along, in the top left quadrant, we have builders. These are our quick wins. These are things that build relationship. We're going to go deeper on each one in just a second. Then the top right, we're going to have advancers. These are things that are major initiatives. They're usually really important, but they're also usually really disruptive. The bottom left, we have necessities. These are things that we have to get done. This is just the basic stuff of operation. This is paying people. This is approving time cards, if that's part of what your job is. Uh, this is posting things on the website, those types of things. And then we have damagers. These are things that I really actually want to focus on because it's very common for us in the creative spaces to come up with these new ideas that we are enamored with, but they end up causing damage to the relationships around us. And then we have this value scale. On the left, we have mission impact. The higher you go up, the more impact there is on the mission, meaning this is helping move the mission forward. And then on the bottom, we have relational cost. This is the relationship cost of each initiative. You'll also notice if you're watching that you will see a next step box. This is gonna be the way that we address whatever lands in this box. So let's walk through this. The first thing here is builders. I call these quick wins. This is actually built off of a decision-making matrix that helps you decide what are the things that you should be investing your time on. But I wanna use relationship as the cost here specifically so that we can assess the relational impact of what we're doing. That's such an important part of a healthy team, being aware of the human beings that we're working with, that we're partnering with in ministry. So these quick wins, these are the things that are low-hanging fruit. These are the things that you can look around right now and be like, you know what, that one person who's been asking me for this for like a couple weeks, I could probably just knock it out. Really, it's only a two-minute task. That's great. The question I like to ask in this quadrant or to determine if something lives in this quadrant, what can I do quickly that will help ministry leaders? So what you're trying to do is you're trying to really focus on these relatively easy, low-impact-to-your-time things I would say they fall within the category of mission impact, but man, they're going to earn you chips to use that language. This is going to help other people in the organization work better, help them be more efficient. This can be silly stuff. Here's a great example of what a quick win can look like. Our offices were split in half with the auditorium in the middle. One half was a certain group of ministries, the other half a different group of ministries. We had a letterhead that we would use, that the administrative assistants would use to print and to send letters to different people in the congregation. They were stored on one of the sides, <laughs> but they weren't stored on both sides. So that meant that if you're one of the administrative assistants on the side where the letterhead was not stored, you had to walk all the way across the office anytime you needed to print anything. Let's say you grabbed too few, you got to make the walk again and go all the way over to the other side of the office. Now, is this a really big deal? Honestly, it's not the end of the world. Is it an annoyance? Oh, 100%. Yes, <laughs> it would drive me nuts every time it happened. I would be so frustrated because this is unnecessary. Why do I have to do this? Why can't we just store letterhead on both sides? So you know what a quick win for me was? I said, hey, how about we store half the letterhead on your side and half the letterhead on the other side. And then I talked to all of the different administrative assistants that were there. Hey, are you guys good with us using this cabinet space in order to store this for this reason? Nobody said no. Everybody loved it. And all of a sudden, me and my team are one that looks out for everybody. We look out for ways to make work better, to make ministry run smoother. That's a quick win. 
It's a beautiful thing when you're able to do that for a lot of reasons, not just the relational benefit, but because you're making other people's jobs easier. That's a huge win. And it's a quick win. The next step in this category, if you find something as you're listing different projects, if you find that you have a builder type project, a quick win, the next step is to prioritize it and execute, get it done. So this is something that really needs to move up in your to-do list. Usually these look like 15 to 30 minute tasks. That's typically what these tend to be. So-and-so asked for a change on the website ahead of their event. Oh, it's, it's just one of those things that keeps going to the back burner, but you doing it and you prioritizing it is going to help a lot in a lot of different ways. So set some time aside and elevate builders when you see them. The next category to the right here is advancers. These are major projects. I want to elevate the fact that these are often critical. Okay. These are really important. Often this looks like a website rebuild. Sometimes it's a rebrand. Maybe it's the launch of an app or the transition from one system to another. I know in IT, it's switching from one database to another or ramping up a new giving platform and sunsetting another. These are big projects and they're very important. So don't think that because it ends up on this chart that it's not important. They are important long-term, but they're hard. There's just a lot that goes into it. The question I ask to determine if something's an advancer is this, what needs to get done, but will impact more than me? What we're trying to identify is, will this new project or initiative impact the workflow of other people? If I'm making a change in my own workflow, in the comm team only, it's not really a big deal if we make that change. Now, if I change the way that every other ministry interfaces with the comm team, it is now a huge deal relationally. And so that is when we need to look to our next step. What do we do if we find something in this category? This is where we build a change management plan and be patient. <laughs> you need to do both. So here's what it looks like to initiate change in a way that is sensitive to relationships particularly on advancers. We were rolling out a new website. And one of the things that I realized was the vast majority of our administrative assistants on the team were using the website to try to find event information. Someone would call the church office and say, hey, I go to this campus. My student is trying to get plugged into an event. I know you guys gave him nine flyers and he threw them all away or whatever. They're crumpled up somewhere. We can't find them. I don't know when the event is. Can you help me out? So now the administrative assistant is really kind of in a bind. Hopefully they already know the information. Hopefully they have the information available. They're good to go. And we had created some systems to try to help with that. But often people would go to the website and they would say, let's look at the calendar and see if it's there. I always hold my breath when I hear that because I think, I don't know if it's there. We'll see. I knew that the administrative assistants were relying heavily on this website, on this tool to get their jobs done. So the first people that I talked to before anybody else, it was this group of people. All right, here's what we have. I'm going to show you a prototype of the new website. I actually prioritized the population and the development of the calendar before everything else because I knew that this group of people was going to be most impacted. So I made it clear to them, you're seeing something that no one else has seen in the organization. Can I just tell you for a second how valued they felt? how important they felt that they were thought of by other people who were developing tools to solve problems that their voice was considered. That's what happens when you make an intentional plan to care for others in the way that you roll out your projects. 
So I shared with them, this is what we've developed. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is my goal. My goal is that this is helpful for you. So talk to me. What do you think? What are some challenges that you have with it? Can you find the information without looking too hard or without too much complexity? Does this add to your workflow? Does this become problematic? Now, I already knew that it did add something to their workflow. I knew that it changed things for them. But because they were brought into the conversation, which is really what this change management plan looks like, they felt so good about these changes. Now, I think that the new design of the website was better than the old design, but that doesn't mean everybody thinks that way. And so I was also able to get really meaningful feedback from those who are users of the tool. Overall, it was a fantastic conversation. They felt valued and I got really good feedback that helped me optimize and make the final solution better. So when I reference a change management plan, it's a pretty simple idea. This is what my recommendation is. When you have a new project like a website, write down everybody's name or at least every department on a piece of paper. You could do it on a whiteboard, whatever. But I want you to write every name down or every department name or person's name. And I want you to write what areas of the website they're gonna be confused by, they're gonna be impacted by, or maybe that they typically leverage. So for example, student ministries will need to know about the student ministries page. They'll need to know about the calendar potentially. And that's probably about it. Now, maybe your situation's different and you can think of other things that they need to know about. That's fine. But you're just trying to list out who are all the people, what are all the areas that change will impact for them. Now you can have informed conversations with everybody. The administrative assistants, they're going to need to know the calendar. They're going to need to know the contact page. They're probably going to need to know where the different care stuff is listed on the website. Those are the things I'm going to talk to them about. The small groups team, do you have a small groups locator? How do people sign up for small groups? Do you distribute curriculum or questions or what does all that look like? That's probably what they're going to need to know. They don't need to know what the kids page looks like. They can look out of curiosity but you don't have to spend time informing them of that. So you're gonna create a custom plan for every single person to have a conversation. This is the patient part on that next step. You wanna develop this plan and then you wanna operate it. You wanna go through all of these conversations with all of these people. And your goal here is to dismantle fear. Your goal is to dismantle impact. Your goal is to set them up for success and to help them have a clear understanding of what's coming. And what's interesting, this is normally a high relational cost type of project. And the reason is because we don't do this work. And when we don't do this work, your website rebuild is gonna cost you a lot of relationship. But when you do this work, it actually moves a project like that over to become a builder. It's not exactly a quick win, but it is a huge win. And it wins you a ton of relationship because you're perceived and genuinely you're behaving this way, but you're perceived as one who really cares deeply about the well-being of the ministry of everyone on the team. So that's the advancers category. Now we're going to move into the things that really are lower on the mission impact in terms of their net result, but they're important nonetheless. So the bottom left category here is necessities. This is just stuff that has to get done. I call this tasks that keep things running. This is stuff like 
paying bills, it's time card stuff. It's those types of things that are operational expectations. What's interesting is that this doesn't win you a ton of relationships. Usually this is like the bare minimum that you can do in your job. But if you don't do these things, all of a sudden it starts to become a very high relationship cost. The question that I like to ask in this quadrant to really identify what belongs, what is required for maintenance but can't be ignored? There's that other side here where nobody will praise me if I do it, but there will be a relationship cost if I don't. The next step in this category is to continue to execute reliably. This is an area where we often overlook the importance of these things, but being reliable and being faithful in these things helps build trust over the long haul. This isn't the kind of stuff that's going to earn you this huge boost of trust or relationship, but not doing stuff in this quadrant will be a negative draw very quickly. And over time, you'll build a reputation. You'll build a reputation of somebody who does not do things that need to get done on time. You're not reliable. You're not dependable. Those are very bad traits to have in the context of a creative ministry where many of the other departments are going to rely on you for their own ministry to be effective. And then the last category here, this is such a hard one for me because I see so many creative leaders living in this space. These are damagers. Sometimes when we take the role of communications or creative ministry, creative director, even in the context of worship, I see this in IT, I've seen this in productions, we think that we're hired to be innovators. We think that we're hired to usher the church into a new era. It just creates so much damage relationally. This damagers category, these are thankless tasks. But beyond just being thankless tasks, these are things that really tend to be pet projects or opinionated innovation. A common example of this is changes that a certain group want to make to something that impacts everyone. I see this show up a lot in the space of productions. We need more expensive cameras. We need a higher resolution this. We need another LED wall or a first LED wall. We need to paint everything black. We need to dim the lights, turn the volume up. These are all of the values that we're bringing to the table. When we don't connect, that that's not the direction that leadership wants to go. So this becomes opinionated innovation. We control things. We're the ones who are able to pull the levers, but that's not what leadership wants. When you go down this road of pursuing innovation that is not desired, I'm not even saying that you're wrong. I'm not even saying that this isn't valuable or good, but I am saying when you pursue opinionated innovation without the expressed value or support or backing of leadership, you're going to damage relationships. It's true of calm. We're going to start doing all of these things on social media. Okay, well, we don't really care about that as a value for our church. Well, too bad. I run calm and I'm doing it. Okay, but now you're going to impact all of these people for a vision that hasn't been clearly articulated. Where these things fall apart is when there isn't a clear need. We need to redo our website. Why? Uh, because the UI is, is bad. It's old. It looks dated. That's not a clear need to anyone outside of you as the creative. So the response to this, this is our next step for anything that falls into this category, reassess the purpose or remove it from your to-do list. So reassessing the purpose is really important. So let's talk about user interface for a second. Okay, the website looks like it was made in 1990. I don't like it. I'm a creative. We got to change it. Okay, I understand that. But let's spend time flexing our leadership skills 
and help translate this to somebody who's not in the same shoes as you. Your pastor doesn't care about UI. Maybe he's frustrated when something doesn't work and he's thrilled when something does work. That's the level of care around the idea of user interface. For you, it bothers you deeply. You know, you see these boxes on the website and you're like, I can't handle it. That's not how anybody else thinks. So now let's talk about it from a mission perspective. Why should the pastor care about it? Well, the pastor should probably care about it because if people look at the website and they feel like it's a dated ministry and they're not gonna be interested in coming, well, that's an issue, okay? And there's a reasonable line here. You don't have to be hyper cutting edge, but maybe we do have to be at least relatively modern. Maybe that's a reasonable line. If you present it to your leadership this way, we're making it harder for people who are interested in engaging with our church to know what their right next step is. I, I'm way more interested than, you know, Bobby's upset with the UI over here. That's not a good enough reason to create a new project. Is this really a problem in terms of accomplishing the mission of the church? Or is this just something that bothers you? Because if it bothers you, that's not enough of a reason for us to move forward as an organization. That's not enough of a reason for tithe dollars to be allocated towards the objectives that you're trying to accomplish. It's just not important. It's not worth it. And what it does over time, because this will cost you time that could go to other ministries, this will cause damage to the relationships around you. These actually have the potential to be a very high relational cost. Because not only are you withdrawing support for other ministries because of your own pet projects, there's a good chance that you're actually disrupting the way that other ministries function because of your pet projects. That's not ever where we want to find ourselves. So if you go back and you reassess and you realize, you know what, this is actually really important to accomplishing the mission of the church. That's great. Then you need to change the way that you're articulating it with regards to the mission of the church. Connect your projects to the mission of the church. This is one of the most common differences between a leader and an executor. The executors struggle to attach change to the mission. Leaders do that very well. If you can't do that, if you can't get to the point where you see a connection between the mission of the church and the objective that you're trying to accomplish, then you need to get it off your to-do list. Just get rid of it completely. It shouldn't be something that's on your list because you don't wanna focus on it. You don't wanna see it because it'll just keep reminding you that you want that. If there's something in your life that's a no, then you need to get it out of your life. You can't just dabble in it or keep it in front of you. Get rid of it, get it out of your life, get it out of your line of sight so that you can focus on the things that are not damagers when it comes to relationship. Relationship is a critical part of accomplishing anything in ministry. If you're constantly taxing the relationships that you have and that you've built, it's gonna lead you to toxicity, to an unhealthy space. It's gonna do damage to the relationships around you, which will lead to harm holistically in the ministry. And at some point, it's gonna lead you to burnout. I've seen it happen too many times to say that there's a different pathway for you. There isn't. And so if you're living your life in the damagers quadrant of this chart, your time on the staff that you're at is just not long. Whenever we leave a role, we do so hoping that the new environment is maybe more receptive to our ideas. And while that's a nice, hopeful ambition, if you're living in the damagers quadrant, that's just not gonna be the case. 
people will not tolerate damagers for a long period of time because now you're coming in as a negative impact to the relationships around you. That doesn't help ministry get better. That doesn't help ministry leaders thrive. And it goes against your role as supporting the mission of the church through your skills, through your creativity, and really why you were hired to be a part of the church in the first place. So if you're wrestling with stuff, if you're having a hard time figuring out where do these things live, use this chart, use this relationship cost matrix and see if it helps unearth some of the things for you where, man, you can get these things done today. This would be so easy and straightforward and it'll win you relationship. (laughs) Great. It'll help the mission of the church. Great. And then if you have a project that you know is coming and is going to be complicated, but has the potential to disrupt relationships or cost relationships, Please, please, please build a plan where you slow it down and you have the conversations that you need to at the right time. When you focus on leading change by considering the relational cost in your organization, so much will change for you for the better. It'll help you last in the ministry that you're in. It will help you gain influence and voice, and it will help you make an impact in the lives of the people in the congregation that you're serving. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading Healthy Creative Teams. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes helps build healthy creative teams in the church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.